This is the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Hey everyone, Joseph here, producer with the Frontier Pod, to tell you about a super exciting and informative event that we've been working on behind the scenes to share with our community. On Wednesday, August 28th at 11am, Gun.io and Raygun are teaming up to bring you a webinar where we'll go over practical tips to building high-performance software teams. Our presenters, Dave Swirsky, who is a lead engineering manager and author, and Jeff Langston, freelance software engineer and consultant, will be tackling this issue from both sides of the equation as a team leader and a freelance engineer. They're going to look at what to look for when hiring new talent and how to achieve that best culture fit, some software monitoring tips that empower your team, and some proven mechanisms that drive positive behavior, ownership, and increased customer satisfaction. They're also going to look at how to speed up the onboarding process so your new hires have the info that they need and are on the same page with the wider team. And hey, can't make it on August 28th at 11 a.m.? Totally cool. We got your back. Register anyway, and we'll send you the recording. You can find all the information and register at bit.ly slash raygunwebinar. That is bit.ly slash r-a-y-g-u-n webinar. Or you can find those links in the show notes. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the show. Video connections are critical in a remote business environment. If we're going to embrace remote work, we need video calls. That's what Ledge talks about with Bobby Beckman, CTO of LifeSize, a formidable competitor in the video calling sector. The major challenges of video call handling cover a range of technical challenges. Furthermore, the user experience challenges like making videos easier to join require a huge rethinking of telecommunication norms and habits. How do we make connecting by video easier than a phone call? How do we solve video call connection and discovery? It's useful if we look back to the challenges we've already solved with phone number and email address discovery. Returning from the meta topics, Ledge and Bobby discuss paying off our technical debt and how LifeSize replaced every line of code in every server in only two years. All right, Bobby, thanks for joining us. Really cool to have you on today. Yeah, thanks, Ledge. Glad to be on. Can you just give a quick, you know, two, three minute background of, of yourself and your work just so the audience can get to know you a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I've been in the industry my entire career, even dabbled before that. So, uh, you know, tinkered, you know, just like a lot of guys my age, we, we had our TI-99 4As and TRS-80s back in the 80s and, uh, and decided it's what we wanted to do with our lives. Um, I uh, grew up in West Texas, uh, in El Paso specifically. Um, went to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, so I got to give them a shout out. Um, and uh, studied computer science there and went from, um, uh, started consulting, basically, right out of school, did a lot of consulting, which was great. It gave me an exposure to lots of different industries. Every six months, got to see something brand new, new technologies, um, and uh, and really exposure to the customer. All right, so I would say if I had to take, what, what did I get the most when I was a 22-year-old consultant is that uh, the difference between being in a cube and, and, and hacking away on, on code back then or, or sitting in front of the guy who's going to use it, whose job depends on it, was, uh, was, was definitely gave me a different perspective on, on how on why we build software and, uh, and uh, who matters in this, in this whole equation. Um, from there, it's, uh, 
you know, the traditional, the went through the dot-com boom and bust uh, in spectacular fashion, got to see the entire thing uh, do its uh, cycle there in Silicon Valley um, at another consulting company. Um, after that, it's uh, mixed in. Then I, of course, got afraid of enterprise, did a consumer product. Um, and, uh, and that's where I learned, that's where I found Python. So that's, uh, that's my weapon of choice, um, to this day, as a matter of fact, to this hour, probably right before we get on the phone here. Um, and, uh, and from there it's been, you know, a lot of different things, touch more consulting. I did security for a little while, um, did a CMS thing. Uh, and then, uh, four years ago joined LifeSize. Uh, you may not be familiar with that because you're using Zoom to to do this uh, this call, but I'm I'm not going to hold that against you. Um, so, uh, and I've been the uh, CTO here for a couple of years, and so uh, interesting to me about video is I've never done video before, and uh, and it's uh, you know it's it's a very different world. The you know traditionally you're okay if something takes uh, you know a second to do to, you know if you go to a web page and you hit okay and you hit a submit and it comes back and you know about a second that's all right. You can't do that in video. You have about uh, 33 milliseconds to actually do anything interesting. Um, and, uh, and it's a whole new, new set of problems, uh, trying to have thousands of calls going on at one time, uh, trying to do, uh, billions of minutes a year of calls, um, knowing that, uh, you can ruin someone's meeting if, uh, if this call goes poorly, you know, it's, uh, we, we've set up this time, you know, on, on this, uh, for weeks ago. And if something happened to the service or something like that, then this, our entire, we'd lose 30 minutes and it's, it's a complete waste of, uh, of, of our time. So it's imperative that we keep this thing running. Um, so it's very different, very different set of problems. Uh, and, uh, and we've been doing a lot of really cool things here. Uh, so it's been a journey of reinventing the whole technology stack. So we've, we've actually gone down the path of paying off our technology debt. And, uh, and I think we can, we can safely say we've paid it down to where we can manage it. Now we've, uh, in the last two years, every line of code that ran the life size uh, platform has been replaced in some form. Uh, our servers have been replaced. Our clients, uh, we've got a brand new set of devices that just came out a few weeks ago. It's all 4K video in the cloud. So new hardware, new software. Uh, we've done it all in the last two years. It's, it's, been, a, it's been pretty cool. So that's, yeah, kind man, of a, that's my deal. We are huge advocates of the remote work, you know, sort of paradigm. And I mean, this is just a critical tool. So I guess we're using a competitor tool here. You know, I'm going to go uh, cower in shame. But, you know, tell me, <laughs> that's okay. tell me about... You know, I mean, how do you how do you guys do this? You know, I'm I'm a relative technologist and and was a, a software developer, you know, sort of back way back when. But um, I find it extraordinary the way that these tools have evolved, and um, you know, certain certain other competitors that you know people will send us links for uh, I don't know a Google Chat or Skype or or what have you, and and it's just the new breed is so much better. What is behind? the hood. These, these things are incredible. I mean, just thinking about real time 4k video over a relatively decent connection. I mean, how does that even happen? Like just maybe walk through the high level sure. of that technology uh, stack. Yeah. So uh, I mean, we, we've uh, fully gone all in on WebRTC. So, uh, you know, that's uh, Google kicked that off of, uh, you know, inside of Chrome, you'll find WebRTC. So all the browsers are, are starting to support it. Um, so we, we took a standards-based approach. Everyone had their own proprietary stack before. As we moved over to a new stack, we've decided that being open and, and, uh, and not closed is really the right way to go. And what that helps us with is everyone's working on this problem, right? So when you make a call, um, it goes over the stack. And, and then the, the interesting part, the, the, what I would call the, uh, the secret sauce of every provider is, is uh, not just getting the bits across, because ultimately what you're doing is I'm taking a, a bit stream and, and it's, it's up to me to decide how I'm going to deliver it to all the participants on the call. Um, 
once you solve some of the basic problems of of moving media across, which is, you know, stuff that we've been doing for a long time, the real hard part here is just joining the meeting. Um, you know, it's just, it, you know, we, everyone worries like, like, how do you get 50 people to call at once and talk and, and, and to, and to do that? Have you ever been in a room with 50 people that are all talking and try to get them to and try to manage that? It's, it's, it's worse when you're all on video or on, a, on even worse on a phone call. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool what we do. I mean, we, we certainly have done a lot of work on, on uh, interesting video technology and how do you, how can you rapidly, you know, mix? If you think about a 30 frame per second call, you divide that into a, you know, how much time do you have? You have a, not very much time. You have milliseconds to take a frame, mix it with everybody that's on there and shoot it back out to every individual or depending on your architecture, sending all the, you know, traffic copying all the, all the bits and sending them everywhere. But um, yeah, but that part is, is, is much easier because you have so you know, you're powerful clients today. I, I can run my entire stack inside of Chrome, um, which is great. So, you know, you have the, you have the browsers coming along and, and so the technology is there. So what I, I see the big problem is not so much the, um, it's, it's the, the quality of video is getting very good. You know, we've got 4k, but joining that meeting, it's, it's the experience right now. we think it's something like six to 7% of online meetings are done with video. That means that there is still in 2019, 83% or 93% of people are still deciding to pick up the phone and talk to each other in an audio conference when we have, um, you know, ridiculously amazing technology across all the, uh, all the competitors. So some of the things we, we want to do is we, we're trying to figure out how to make it just easier to join. Like it's, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting when we talk about how do you, how do you call someone on video? It's five steps today often. It's like, okay, well, do you want to do this on video? Yeah, I can do this on video. Okay, let, let, me, let me get this uh, calendar invite together. Okay, I'll, I'll look for that. Oh, I've downloaded a piece of software. Okay, let me, let me do that. And, you know, it's work. It's too much work. I'm just going to pick up the phone and call you if I don't know how to, how to contact you on video. So I think what, you, what, what I worry about, the next wave of stuff we need to solve is, is how you find each other. Um, you know, you can choose to use Zoom or BlueJeans or whatever, and, and Teams is a big thing. Microsoft Teams are pushing that thing pretty hard. You know, it's, it, we have to be able to discover each other. I, I, don't, I don't ask you what cell phone provider you use. I don't ask you who's, where's your email hosted. I don't care, right? I just have a simple way to contact you, and it just works. And, uh, and so far, we've, we've, been, we've spent the last 10 years making this call work so that this part is, looks good, that now we have to spend the next, uh, the next few years figuring out how to actually connect people this way so that it becomes natural. Um, and, I, and I think that's when I, when I talk about what's, what's hard in our business. It's, uh, the video part's actually been figured out. We've been doing this since 2003. It's, it's not hard to move bits around the wire. It's, uh, it's hard to, to get people to actually feel comfortable using it and to stop saying, can you hear me? Are you there? Um, what, can you see my screen? Uh, is everything, you know, it, those are the things we just want to get rid of and, and, and have it easier to, to connect people. All right. So talk about the R and D on that, but I mean, that's a paradigm that certainly not just connectivity and, and communication providers are, are going to want, but I mean, I want everybody to access whatever I'm doing extremely sure. quickly. And I, and I want to know who they are and, and be able to meaningfully provide that, that user experience. Yeah. What's that like? I mean, that, that R and D sounds amazing. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, how do you simplify the, the, the experience is, is really what it comes down to. So, you know, when, and, and this requires some industry support, right? But basically we've, um, all of us have built these, uh, these silos. We, we claim interoperability, but that just means that our devices can talk to each other. But really, if you're going to use Zoom, and I'm going to be on a laptop. I have to use Zoom to talk to you. Or if it, same with with LifeSize. It's not like a Zoom person can just call LifeSize from their laptop. Now they can call my conference room, but certainly not each other. So, you know, 
discoverability is, is really the, the hard part. You know, how did, how did we solve this problem before with, uh, with phones or with, uh, with email addresses? And, and why, do we need to, well, why do I need anything more than that, actually? If uh, you walk up to a random person, I don't know if you're an iPhone or Android user, but if, you're, if you talk to someone that's not, right, if you're an iOS user and you talk to someone on Android, how do you do a video call with them? Like, what would you do? What, what would be your steps? You would be like, um, should we use uh, Zoom or something? There's no intuitive way to do it. If you're both on iOS, fine, you can FaceTime for, uh, for a little point to point. But um, so I think we, we, we need to use the bits that are there because everyone has a way to contact each other, right? I can, I, you have my phone number, but yet you'd have to text me if you wanted to get a hold of me and maybe you could do a video call. So, so I think what we need is, is the industry has to step up a little bit. We have to be a little bit more open. Life science has to do it too. We have to say that, listen, if you're trying to reach someone, then you should just look for them. I just want to look for bbeckman at lifesize.com. I don't want to type in an extension. I don't want to type in a, you know, I'll type in a 10 digit number to start this meeting, right? Like what other industry do you have to remember numbers? Like there's no one. I don't, do you know anyone's phone number? I, I barely know mine and maybe my kids. That's really it. Um, and so, but here we are like, no, no, no. If you just type in this 10 digit number at this app, it'll suddenly magically connect you. So we have to just get beyond that. And I think that's kind of part of it is a less, it's less R and D. It's more understanding how can we get everyone on board to, to do things, you know, to work together, to not be, to not worry about that. Because if, if we're talking about a 6% penetration rate on video, who cares about competition at this point? It's, it should be, let's give the customers what we think they want and let's all find a way to work together to get that number. If we, if we get that number up to 20%, we've all tripled. I mean, that's fine. I, I mean, if our business triples, who's going to complain about that? And if, uh, and if everyone does, I don't think we've got a problem. So I think those are the, the problems to solve is how do you get everyone to stop building these walled gardens around video, which is kind of the last, last bastion of, uh, of islands and, and the internet and, and play nice with each other. Well, there's the argument of all internet services are, you know, centralized, decentralized, walled garden open. I mean, this is the, you're, you're getting down to the root classical individual problem um, and, and anonymization and, you know, all these things. I mean, this is ultimately where uh, blockchain identities are, are going to be interesting. And so, yeah. I mean, how, how are you, how are you going to propose to, to solve and, and get everybody else on board? Like what's the best of breed idea in this space even? I, I don't know the best of breed idea yet, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to start opening it up by uh, letting you just connect with people on LifeSize. So instead of us setting up a meeting, then you'd be able to just imagine go over to a website and uh, type in a phone number. And uh, that phone number automatically looks for you. Does it know that, are you a LifeSize user already? Great, I'll just ring your phone. Uh, you're not a LifeSize user. Okay, then I'm just going to send you a text with a link and you click on it and right from your, your, your browser, the, the call starts. You don't download software. You don't do anything. You have an amazingly powerful computer in your pocket. Uh, by typing an email address, great. I send a link to you and you and, and your email. So so we try to get people to just start using it that way. So I think the the and we're going to just start doing that. And um and will it be the best? I don't know. You know, everyone that comes out, there's no best yet. I think the the idea is to just give it to people, um, try some things, and then see if it works. And if people try it, and this is not something we're talking about, like, you know, just come to our website and try something. And uh, not we're not taking you to sign up for an account. We're not telling you to, to do all these things. It's just like, just send me an email. You wouldn't even think twice about that. Well, great. Just make a call. Don't think twice about that. And uh, and so that's that's what we're going to do. And then we're going to say, hey, you know, why not, you know, open up to these, these open platforms that we have. Um, why can't they communicate? You know, we, we are, we, we're all big proponents of open source here. We, uh, we use WebRTC. Our clients are fully open source. We, we, we love that fact that other people want to talk to us. And so, so it just requires enough. And ultimately, it requires customers to say, 
I really want this, right? I mean, I can come up with the, the shiniest uh, ball in the, in the group there, but I need to make sure that the, the people want it. So, so I'm doing the whole like, well, I don't know if they want it, but I'm going to give it to them and I'm going to hope that they start using it and I'm going to see what happens. It's, it's uh, Steve Jobsian, right? So <laughs> yeah. users, users don't know what they want, so let's yeah. give it to them anyway. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, that's, that's excellent. I mean, I, I can speak from my own experience that, uh, you know, in sales services and obviously, you know, the podcast work that, um, the video connection is, is critical to what we do. And I, I can say without question that, um, you know, I develop and, and maintain major accounts and relationships with people that I've never been in the room with. So I encourage everyone to really get on the video train because I, I think it makes a tremendous difference. And I ask everyone to, to do that. Um, you know, for every call I'm on, because I, I do believe that uh, if we're going to embrace remote work and we're really going to behave as if, you know, we sort of are colleagues and not with a, a line of separation or sort of this demarcation between locations, that that's the way to do it. I've even talked to people who are using video solutions for hybrid teams where they, they actually will set up workstations that are entirely uh, always on sure. connections yeah. to whoever's at home. And I, I wonder... Do you guys have clients that that work that way? Because that seems to be the next iteration, where it'd be this like ubiquitous uh, video terminal to to all people at all locations, and and potentially then talking over that connection in a in a you know one hop kind of way, where I I would look over to the next cube right. and talk, and except the person wouldn't be the person, the person would be the video. It seems, seems that audio is the biggest issue there in the environmental a lot of noise yeah yeah i think uh, so we 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 have customers do that today that have full-time uh you know they we have a hardware solution and they'll have a full-time camera running in there you know in their lunchroom for example so that uh so people can kind of just see each other in in a remote cities um we certainly have team rooms even at life size we have a an an office in raleigh north carolina we have a we have one of our devices right in the middle of the team room so we can fire it up anytime and just have a, a big group discussion um Noise is obviously an issue. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's if you start talking and there's all this uh, background noise. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of interesting work in how do you tune that out of uh, out of background noise. You know, there's, the, there's these neural networks out there that have blown away the echo canceling in the last, uh, you know, 10 years. The new neural networks are come out. Mozilla has a really nice package that they, uh, they've open sourced. And, um, and it does, does a good job of getting rid of the background noise, right? So you've got the people chattering way in the lunchroom and then you're trying to have a conversation with someone on video. It won't, it won't overwhelm the conversation. Just like in real life, you can kind of focus on each other. And I think, you know, interestingly enough, we've kind of moved into like the higher resolutions now. And when you start to talk to people over 4K on large screens, uh, the reality, you know, there's some sort of strange, like, uh, I don't know if it's some sort of biological thing. I have no idea. And it's not my field at all, but I can just tell it's a different conversation when you can, as these resolutions get better, as the, as it feels smoother, it feels less like I'm having a video call as opposed to talking to you through a window. Um, I think those things help. I think uh, the, the, the big blocker to a lot of this stuff is privacy, right? Um, you know, if, uh, if I know, I know who's in the room, but are the cameras watching me? Where's this going? Um, and, uh, and I certainly am, am, uh, am not am not interested in, in always be in always watching people and uh, in doing things. And so I think solving those problems, uh, you know, some of the interesting things that a lot of us do as vendors, uh, you know, our camera turns away when it's off, so you know it's off. It's looking it's looking away and down. Um, but how do you really? How are you sure that the, that the camera's not listening to you or, or doing those things? So, and I think people will will you know. Will they be themselves? 
like if I, if, if you and I are just sitting casually in a room talking and we know there's a video camera that's constantly pointing at us and, you know, are you, what if someone's off frame listening? So I think there's a lot of things about that side of the world that we still don't have a good solution for. And I think that's where we'll just have to see what, what happens and, um, and how the industry progresses and what, what we can do there to, um, to ensure that, that people can feel safe. Because right? if you're not sure, if you feel like you're being watched all the time, you, you will change what you say. And, uh, and I think that's, that's not good either. So it seems to me thoughts. there may be IOT sensor sort of ubiquitous, uh, I don't know, detection mechanisms and such where it's not just about, you know, is somebody in frame or is, is somebody on, but you know, like our, you know, I have the lights turned on in the office, therefore there's yeah. somebody there or, you know, connected devices that it, it really becomes more ambient and environmental mm -hmm. and there are signals coming in, in the way that um, maybe it would not be, you could connect the, did the door open, you know, our, yes. our, our chairs moving around is, is there a button in the seat? <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, there's, there's also, we, we've done stuff like that. We've done some uh, basically uh, low-res, wide-angle cameras where you can't really make out who's in the room, but you can tell there's motion in the room um, that will sit there so they can kind of tell the camera to do something different so that you kind of know something's going on but maybe not have enough data to ascertain who or what so that you still have some measure of privacy. But these things are, are you know, we can, we sat around here, I remember um, a year ago talking about uh, machine vision. Like, was, uh, AI was kind of a big, big uh, theme in 2018. And, um, you know, it was like, oh, how fast is machine vision progressing? And even I was like, well, it's moving like, like you will be blown away where it is in one year. And I think within four or five months, I can go to Target and Google would sell me something for 40 bucks. It will tell me if a cat's in the room, right? I mean, it was moving, it, you know, it, it, it's jumping in terms of months at this point. So I think um, the conversation we have today will, will be, uh, you know, we'll look back on it in two or three years and be like, do you remember when we were talking about how could that ever possibly work? Um, I just think that in those areas, there's a, there's just a lot of moving forward. How about AR, VR? You know, are there uh, discussions around those? That was the hot, hot thing at CES a couple years ago and now it's kind of womp womp. Um, you, know, we, you know, AR seems really interesting for meeting and collaboration that, you know, I might be able to grab a arrow and move it around in my video or, or something. Is, is there any discussion around that? There's some of that, but you, we just don't get a lot of customers asking for. I mean, they, they, you know, the interesting thing is that they're still asking for some basics. I mean, green screen is kind of a cool thing that you kind of kick out there. It's a, especially when you get to some of the higher res stuff, you can do some neat things with a, with green screen. Um, the, uh, the AR thing I think will be interesting with some, some very in some certain specialties. There's plenty of people that have to experiment with it, but um, commercializing it, I think there's probably going to be some specific industries where it makes a ton of sense, right? Where you have these super high resolution cameras, you're able to then maybe put on some sort of source and then walk around and, and that person can really see what it is you're trying to do. You know, you can imagine you know, remote repair or, um, you know, like a, you gotta wouldn't want to go to the top of one of those uh, air windmills we have all over Texas, right? But I'm sure someone has to. And imagine if they have a problem and they just flip on some lenses and all of a sudden in 4K, I get to see what he's seeing. You know, there's all sorts of interesting things that you can imagine where you can then show him what you need to fix. So I think I think those are coming. I think those are the interesting downstream things. I think we um, we solve a lot of problems with the conference room, and then we take that technology and then and then find out where it makes sense. But I mean, today we've got people that still want to do something as simple as I just want to be able to see my whiteboard in the conference room uh, or during the during the uh, presentation without having to turn cameras all the time, stuff like that. And there's some cool ca camera companies doing some neat things where they're uh, doing some image manipulation where they see a uh, you know, you see that little painting there behind you. 
if that were a whiteboard, that camera would actually be able to go find that, clean it up and present it as your presentation source without you having to go and muck around with your cameras and try to clean it up. And, and so, so there's neat things like that, which you, which you think like, wow, we're still trying to figure out how to share whiteboards. But yeah, it's actually still pretty hard to do that. So, um, so I think we're, we're, uh, we're coming, but we're coming along. A lot of these things are, are being worked on. And so there's a lot of neat things coming out from all these vendors. Are you guys, um, heavily invested in, I guess, in public cloud or, you know, sort of how, how you're hosting all these things and anything special we, there? Yeah. Amazon's our, uh, ours, our horse. We, uh, we, we've got, uh, we do a lot of things in AWS. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that, that's where we've rolled it out. We've, we've just replatformed everything. Um, we're actively working on, uh, on changing it all up and, uh, and we've moved it all to AWS. Um, the, it's, you know, the, the big concern with any media running on public cloud is the latency and can you, uh, you know, you're sharing CPUs and stuff like that. Those have mostly gone away. We seem to get very consistent, uh, behavior out of, uh, out of the cloud and we're able to move it out there. And it, it, it's, it's just, it reduces so much overhead and it makes us move so much faster. I mean, um, you know, you can't, you can't, Amazon rolls out so many services pretty much every year. If you ever go to reinvent, it's uh, it's, uh, it's just overwhelming. And, uh, and we, we use it all. I mean, I look at the stack of things on our, on, our, on my bill, of course, from, uh, from Amazon. And, uh, and then we've, you know, it's, it's uh, from the typical, everything from the instances all the way up to very, very uh, interesting things that, that uh, our engineering team is playing with and, and really uh, taking advantage of those things is making us move faster. I mean, it's to replatform uh, a, a, something like what we do and to do it all in roughly uh, you know, 18 to 24 months is, is really hard to do. And, uh, and by replatform, I mean, we ripped it all out. It's going to be all gone. And, uh, and it's, it's not easy. And you got you to gotta really uh, be careful because you can't really interrupt service. It's, it's a lot easier to start a new company than it is to say, hey, thousands of you, we're about to just change your server tonight. And, uh, and I hope it works. And so, um, so yeah, no, we, we're all, we're all about using Amazon and it's, it's, uh, it's, they're a great partner of ours. How did you mix the technical debt investment remediation with the need to develop uh, new features and keep up with a product roadmap? You just can't halt progress for 18 months and two years while you kind of redo everything. How, how did you balance that from a resource perspective and from a, just a product roadmap and I didn't even down to scrum teams or whatever yeah. you're doing? Yeah. So we, uh, you know, the, the way we approached it, so we had two, two phases. One, it was going to rip out the clients and replace them with brand new ones. Right. So that was the first phase that finished about a year ago. And the, the pitch there to, uh, to sales and, and company was that, uh, that this, this will let us move faster when it's done, but we have to take a six month break. You're not going to get any new features for a little while and you got to sell what's on the truck. And, uh, you know, and I know that it, it, you, it's hard, it's a hard conversation to have, but at the same time, you know, it's, it, it's, it's important to show why you're doing this and what you get on the back end and actually deliver. So the flip side of that is we delivered the new clients and we showed, look how much faster we can move now and paid off. Now we're going to do the same thing with the server. Now changing out the servers meant we still had some leeway. So we have a lot of features, a lot of stuff on the edge. That's not necessarily part of the prime video experience. We have a wireless data sharing, uh, some mobile stuff. Um, so, so we had enough other things. We came out with a new room kit. So, so what we did was we just built things on the periphery that still made our product line fresh and brand new. And we we're coming out these 4k devices so that while we don't have to mess with that core video experience for a little while while we, and we can roll these other features out and then rebuild this, 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 um, these new products and these new features keep sales team busy for this year. And then as we roll this new one out, now we can kind of shift back over and start adding features to our core server platform. So it was, um, 
half of it was a negotiation. There, there was a time when we did say like, like six months, no new features. And then the other half was like, okay, what can we build when we know we can't touch this? And that became, and then, you know, an interesting story about that is um, at the beginning of 2018, uh, in January, we didn't have a, we didn't have much, we didn't know what we we're going to release because we we're going to spend all of our time building this new platform called Galaxy. And uh, and so what we did, and uh, and we pitched this to to the companies. Like, guess what? Engineering is taking two weeks off, meaning we're not going to work on anything that has to do with any shippable code. We're going to take two weeks off, and we're going to have what we call an innovation sprint. And we let anyone pitch an idea. And if they could get a team to, in, to, to, to join them, they could spend two weeks working on whatever they want. And out of that uh, came our entire 2018 uh, uh, releases. All, everything that we, pretty much everything we released came out of that two-week break of just like put everything away and let's just see what comes out of all these people that have all these ideas. Because the, the biggest users of, our, users of our product are employees. And so they all wanted things and they pitched great things. And, and, uh, and out of that, we have a, something called Dash, which is our new kit solution that came out of that uh, life size share. Um, all sorts of really neat things, some cool voice control stuff. So, so just out of doing a uh, two-week break and shut it all down for two weeks and let people do what they want, paid off. The dividends were, were you know, huge. The ROI was amazing on that. And, uh, and I think we're going to do another one here in a couple of months once this, uh, this phase is done. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, to have that level of buy-in across the organization for such a thing that just sounds radical, you know, what, you're going to stop, you know, your engineering is always behind, you know, we can't right. possibly move fast enough. And uh, how'd you, how'd you pull that off it, politically? A, you must be a, a good diplomat. Yeah, I think, well, I think we'd, uh, we had had a successful release of the clients earlier when we had said that we're going to take six months and then that these new clients are going to release. It started a new year. We didn't have a whole lot to announce, so that was kind of the other thing. That, so, like, well, we need to do something. And I think the other part was, and we had detractors, or certainly people like, wait, engineering is not going to do any of my stuff for two weeks? And I'm like, it's literally two weeks. Like, two weeks is not a long time. Like, we, we're going to be okay. If, if we stop working for two weeks and this whole company comes crashing down, something else is wrong besides engineering. Um, so I think, uh, so we made that pitch and, and we said that you can be involved too. There's nothing to stop you, Mr. Detractor, from showing up to this day. And it didn't have to be an engineer that kicked us off. Anyone can pitch an idea. And if you can find five to seven people that agree with you that this is an idea worth investing their two weeks in, then they'll go build it. So you can do whatever you want. So that pretty much shut that down, right? Because, uh, you know, they've, they've got some great idea, then come on down and pitch it. But don't just sit there and say this isn't going to work because that's, that's not going to fly, right? We, we have to try new things because we're not going to move the, the company forward. And, and it paid off. I mean, it paid off not just in, um, in, in the ROI for the business, but, you know, our attrition is, you know, probably a third of what it is at other companies in Austin. You know, we, I think we were like a sub, you know, 3% in engineering in 2018, which is hard to do when you have uh, here in Austin and you have uh, the Amazons and Facebook storming the gates uh, throwing out their... Um, their big, their big money. So um, the fact that people want to do this and, and work here and do that, you know, it, it says that this is, this is a good approach to, to how we do things here. And, uh, and culturally, it's, it's taken hold. And I think now proving that, that it didn't matter who you were in the company, if you could pitch something and it, and it took hold and became something, then, then it means that anyone should do that. Don't, you know, you don't have to wait for an innovation sport to innovate. And I think uh, pushing that culture across the board, top to bottom, doesn't matter what part of the company you're in, is, is, uh, is something that I think we pushed and it's, uh, it's taken hold and it's for real. I know people talk about this stuff all the time, but we can actually show it and measure it and, uh, and have, seen, uh, have seen something come out of it on the other end. That's, that's excellent. I love that. I love that for the, the culture and the leadership. It's just fantastic. Uh, you don't 
you don't hear it very often. It's the stuff you read about in articles. So, right. uh, yeah. you know, well done. Um, I'm curious, you know, as a, as a business systems thinker, you know, sort of across the enterprise, have you had any other groups in the company, you know, operations groups, HR finance, anybody like that saying, Hey, Hey, we want to do that. We can do that for our area of the company and remove process debt. Has, has any of that taken hold? We, um, I think a, a little bit in our IT systems, uh, we've got that, that I think that, uh, they restaffed and retrained and did some different things there to, uh, to try to break down their problems and be a little bit more innovative and, and, uh, you know, um, any large, uh, software company like ours that has gone kind of through transformation from pure hardware to a SaaS to all those things, our, our business systems graph is, uh, is scary. Like if you look and see what runs the whole business, it's uh, it's like, Wow. You need all of those things. And, uh, and when you look at that, and just like anything else, right, when you look at it, it it's looks like it's way too big to do anything about. And so what they did is like, okay, let's pick a square. Pick a square and let's attack that square. And instead of being spread too thin, let's just do what we did with, this, with, the, with, the, uh, with the service. Say, we're not changing that for the next six. But over those other squares, they're, they're kind of the way they are. We're going to have to get our processes to hold together and use enough duct tape to keep things rolling. But we're going to go over here and fix this square. So we'll see you in a few months. And when this square is out, you're going to be so happy that you'll be okay with what you had to do for the last six months. And then we'll go move on to another square. So I think, I think at a, at a cultural level, it does seem to stick. And I think we've seen, uh, we've seen it. We haven't had a whole department take two weeks off like we did. I think that was a little aggressive on the engineering side, but, uh, but, but I think the, the, uh, the idea has stuck and, uh, and the mentality is there. That's outstanding. So uh, one of my, one of my favorite questions is, you know, so if I give you I give you a piece of paper and a Sharpie and I say, you can write a letter to yourself 10 years ago. What are you going to write on that? Let's see. 10 years ago, 2008, no, 2009. Um, it's a great question. Let's see. 2009. What was happening in 2009? Recession ended. World was ending. Um, okay. I guess, well, uh, the first thing I would say is like, Everything that you've done so far has been little compared to what's about to happen over the next 10 years. And, uh, and don't get hung up on, you know, the ups and downs and, you know, the companies that didn't do so well or any other successes in the past because anything that you're about to see a whole new uh, sea change in, in, uh, in what's going to happen. And so, uh, so buckle up and, uh, and, and keep sharp because there's a lot of really cool things coming. And don't stop writing code, which I didn't do, but I, I still do every day. And it's, it's a, uh, I didn't fall into the trap. So something along those lines. Excellent. Well, Bobby. And the, Cowboy, and the, and the Cowboys will never win a Super Bowl again. <laughs> uh, just, just to get it out of the way. That way I wouldn't be so sad every year. So that's probably the other thing I would tell myself. Hey, I'm a Jets fan, man. I feel you. So. <laughs> Bobby, uh, great having you in here, man. I love the insights. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.